0: Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Thursday, June 16th. The Navy bribery scandal case nears its end. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. San Diego County health officials have identified two probable cases of monkeypox. If confirmed by the CDC, they would be the first cases in our county. Monkeypox is a viral infection that can spread through contact with bodily fluids, sores on the body, or shared items. Okay, so here are the symptoms. Fever, headache, chills, and a rash. If you think you may have symptoms of monkeypox, contact a healthcare provider right away. The neurological impact of long-haul COVID is significant even six months after an infection. That's according to research published yesterday by UC San Diego scientists. The study found that the majority of patients continued to have various short and long-term symptoms half a year later. Additionally, a subset of people also showed significant coordination and cognitive issues which had not been previously described. The UCSD team plans to continue monitoring participants' symptoms annually for up to 10 years. San Diego area Congressman Mike Levin is speaking out about San Diego Gas and Electric's plan to raise rates in 2024. He says average bills will top $230 a month if California regulators approve the company's 2024 budget. The Democrat is calling out the company for asking for higher electricity rates when some of their customers can't pay their bills on time now. Levin says SDG&E should prioritize customers over executive compensation. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Long ago, when the public square was the only place to share news events and happenings, people were drawn to it. Living in community with others was the route to understanding each other and the world around us. The public square has changed dramatically, but our need to learn and understand one another has it.
1: This is Port of Entry.
0: Parker Edison Project. Listener supported KPBS Cinema Junkie. Thank you for listening to KPBS Podcast and for being part of our region's virtual public square, where you learn not only about the headlines of the day, but about culture, music, and the issues that are important to all of us. Help keep the virtual square alive and well. Support podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. Just go to kpbs.org. Click the Blue Give Now button and make a donation. And thanks again. The Fat Leonard Navy bribery scandal is about to wrap up in San Diego. KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh says the Navy has been slow to change despite the publicity.
2: It was a corruption scandal of epic proportions. Malaysian defense contractor Leonard Francis used U.S. Navy officers to steer ships to his ports in the western Pacific, greasing the wheels with gifts, sex workers, and lavish parties with scantily clad women. Vice Admiral Craig Fuller attended at least one party as a ship's captain. Senator Elizabeth Warren pressed him about it during a confirmation hearing in 2018.
1: What do you say to women officers when they see that this is the kind of event you have attended?
2: Senator, I have always had the utmost respect for all servicemen and women. The Navy cleared Fowler and other officers of wrongdoing. Francis pleaded guilty in 2015 to defrauding the Navy of at least $35 million. Dan Grazer is with the Project on Government Oversight. He says hundreds of officers watched Francis, widely known as Fat Leonard for his size, lay out the red carpet. It just became kind of the way business was done within the Seventh Fleet. You know, the longer it went on, the more people got involved in it, and the more normalized that behavior became. And so it, we ended up with the massive scandal that we, we have. Among the Navy officials on Francis's payroll was an agent for the Navy's criminal service, who pleaded guilty to taking bribes to keep Francis up to date on the Navy's own investigations. Still, Senator Warren's exchange is one of only a handful of times the so-called Fat Leonard cases come up on Capitol Hill during the decade-long probe. Again, Dan Grazer. And it's shocking how, how little people even today in Washington really even know about Fat Leonard. So it rarely makes the news here. Once the scandal broke, the Navy took away some of the authority officers have to decide which ports to use. Though the Navy tightened up the paperwork, it hasn't taken a hard look at the underlying culture which allowed officers to condone the party atmosphere. Pauline Chanks-Corinne teaches ethics at the Naval War College.
1: It's not something, at least in my circles, that the Navy is talking a lot about, and so I'm not sure that we've learned the lessons or have thought about what this means for Navy culture.
2: Francis was arrested in San Diego in 2013. But Pauline Shanks-Karin says the War College still hasn't incorporated a case study about the massive bribery scandal into its ethics curriculum.
1: One senior leader said to me, listen, like, I know people who were involved. And I've heard from other senior leaders things like, well, I had a friend, a good friend whose career was ruined because of this, and people don't want to talk about it.
2: When students talk about it in class, they talk about different banks for different ranks the notion that higher-ranking officers were treated differently. Ron Carr, a retired Navy captain, says the case cast a long shadow over everyone who served in the Pacific during the 2000s and early 2010s.
3: It really has put mud uh, for all of us who were not involved with this because there's always that assumption that potentially maybe we just didn't get caught.
2: Carr was a logistics officer on board the USS Blue Ridge. As the flagship for the U.S. Pacific Fleet, the Blue Ridge, was at the center of the federal indictments. Given the size of the problem, Carr is disappointed that the Fat Leonard case didn't shine a brighter light on Navy corruption.
3: I think the challenge uh, from a publicity point of view is that it just dragged out for so long. Here we are having this conversation when he was arrested nine years ago, and we're still having a trial today, nine years later. I think it lost its, its bang, it lost its pop.
2: Nearly a decade later, as the Fat Leonard case draws to a close, it's still unclear how much the scandal has changed Navy culture. Steve Walsh, KPBS News.
0: A memorial is growing in Mission Beach where an 18 year old swimmer disappeared on Tuesday. KPBS reporter John Carroll says lifeguards and members of the Coast Guard were on the scene within seconds trying to save the young man.
4: It happened Tuesday afternoon in the waters just off of Lifeguard Station 16. Three young men went into the water and soon they were in trouble, caught up in a strong riptide. A lifeguard saw what happened and immediately alerted a lifeguard rescue boat and a nearby Coast Guard vessel. They were on the scene quickly but couldn't find the still unidentified 18-year-old man. Now San Diego lifeguard chief James Gartland says everything possible is being done to recover his body. Right now uh, we are we are diving and we are essentially dragging and mapping the bottom sonar for for positive targets. We have the US Coast Guard, some other federal agencies helping us out. Gartland says no one should go all the way into ocean water unless they're a strong ocean swimmer. John Carroll, KPBS News.
0: Interest rates are going up again. Yesterday, the Federal Reserve raised its key rate by three-quarters of a percent in an effort to fight inflation. It's the biggest such increase since 1994. KPBS reporter Jacob Ayer looks at what the rising cost of living means for San Diegans.
1: With the housing and rental market near all-time highs and the cost of gas prices, food and utilities also sky-high, many San Diegans are starting to cut back. Carolyn Freund is UC San Diego's Dean of Global Policy and Strategy. She says the Federal Reserve has to be careful not to create drastic changes with its rate hikes.
0: What we don't want to see but could very well happen is if interest rates go up too fast, it pushes us into recession. If interest rates don't go up fast enough, the inflation continues.
1: Freund says there hasn't been inflation rates like this since the 1970s and 80s. While there are some parallels to that time period, she says the big difference is this time inflation was driven by the pandemic and government stimulus payments that put more money into the market. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News.
0: We continue to get hit hard at the pump. Gas prices keep on going up, and small businesses are having a hard time keeping up. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne takes a closer look. Leonardo Hernandez owns Los Reyes Landscape and Maintenance in Oceanside. He says the high gas prices are forcing him to raise his rates for maintenance service.
1: Nosotros queremos aumentar el precio, y los clientes, como que andan pensando muy bien si es.
0: But he's losing business because clients don't want to pay more. And if the job is too far, he has to add an extra fee or turn the job down because there's no profit after having to fill up his tank. Aside from his work trucks, his machinery also runs on gas. He says that as much as he'd like to switch his gas-run equipment to electric, they're too expensive. He wants to know what the governor is doing about lowering gas prices, because he feels the economy isn't getting any better. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. Coming up, ideas on how to replace your lawn to cut back on water usage. When the public square was the only place to share news events and happenings, people were drawn to it. Living in community with others was the route to understanding each other and the world around us. The public square has changed dramatically, but our need to learn and understand one another has it.
1: This is Port of Entry.
0: The Parker Edison Project. Listener supported KPBS Cinema Junkie. Thank you for listening to KPBS podcast and for being part of our region's virtual public square, where you learn not only about the headlines of the day, but about culture, music, and the issues that are important to all of us. Help keep the virtual square alive and well. Support podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. And thanks again. While we knew it was coming, tougher water restrictions are now in place across San Diego County, which is leading a lot of people to pull out their lawns. KPBS reporter John Carroll says there are colorful options for replacing your lawn and financial incentives to help. Amidst the
4: third year of a severe drought, Californians have not cut back on their water use. So now, tougher water restrictions are in place across the state, including in San Diego County, and that has motivated people to start pulling out their lawns. But Scott Lawn, who owns Greenway Irrigation Lawn and Landscape in Escondido, and yes, Lawn is his real name, says if you really want to keep that lawn, you can use a lot less water these days to keep it green. We can reduce irrigation use on almost any property by 50 to 70 percent with proper water irrigation tools. If you do decide to replace your lawn, there are all sorts of colorful plants to put in its place. Some great examples are found at the Water Conservation Garden at Cuyamaca College and in front of the headquarters of the Helix Water District on University Avenue in La Mesa. Plus, Efren Lopez with the San Diego County Water Authority says there are financial incentives as well.
1: In fact, we have some of the highest rebates in in California to take out your turf grass, to replace an irrigation controller, to replace your washing machine. We have a really the, some of the best rebates in the state.
4: John Carroll, KPBS News.
0: Members of the LGBTQ community are celebrating their pride this month with parades and festivals across the country. Some of those celebrations have been disrupted with threats of violence by groups opposing the community. Over the weekend in Idaho, 31 men identified with the white nationalist Patriot Front were arrested and charged with conspiracy to incite a riot near a local Pride event there. One of them allegedly is a man from the San Diego chapter of the group. Here in San Diego, the Pride celebration happens in July with plans for a full in-person return next month. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez spoke with executive director of San Diego Pride, Fernando Lopez on KPBS Midday Edition. Here's their conversation.
3: So let's start off with some history. Why does San Diego celebrate Pride in July when most of the country is celebrating
1: right now? It actually goes back to a conversation that Pride organizers had in the 80s when there weren't a lot of LGBT organizations or as many activists. And so one of the things that we realized politically was that if we all had our pride celebrations or events at the same time, it made it harder for activists to go from city to city to sort of build their lists and build political power. And so if, if you actually see there, you know, we're not all on the same weekend, we're not all on the same month. And that is really about building political power for our community. And when those decisions were being had in the 80s, we said, well, we'll take July because June gloom was Uh, you know, sort of unpredictable. And if you go back, you'll see pictures of like Chris Shaw and Christine Kehoe shoveling out like our festival area because we were almost rained out for several years. So uh, the weather's better in July. So we picked July.
3: So with the return of thousands of people this year to the parade route along University and Hillcrest and the festival in Balboa Park, you are not only preparing for health safety, but also for threats of violence.
1: This year, we're obviously seeing a hyper-polarized political climate where a minority of Americans are really stoking undue fear and violence targeting the LGBT community. So I see what's happening across the country, but I do know that I'm very proud of the relationships that we have with local, regional, and federal law enforcement agencies um, every single year to keep us as safe as possible
3: at those events. So with your in-person return in July, what can we expect from San Diego Pride uh, celebration this year? The theme is justice with joy. Tell me
1: more. There's a big discussion in the international pride community about what our pride organizations intended to be. Uh, The reality is that our pride movement, our pride organizations and events are really commemorating the Stonewall riots that occurred in 1969. And year after year, those celebrations have grown, but there's a really interesting conversation happening in the LGBT community about, are we here to protest Or are we here to celebrate? And it is one of our core beliefs as an organization that we can do both that we can have this beautiful celebration and act of joy. You know, when you're a targeted marginalized community, the mere act of celebrating and being in love and holding the hand of your partner is an act of defiance. It is an act of protest. And so there is a beautiful act of justice just in experiencing joy itself. And so that's sort of what these pride organizations have evolved into. But the other thing that I'm really proud that our organization does is we directly engage in that advocacy work. We're our year round, organization with more than 40 different programs engaged in uh, voter turnout, leadership and capacity building for our community, and direct advocacy work. And so justice with joy is absolutely who we are as an organization and as a community. And after three years being a part, we really want to emphasize that.
3: Fernando, what is your greatest hope for the community this year?
1: My greatest hope for our community is that we are able to celebrate, um, that we are able to experience joy that is so often denied our community. And I really hope that our elected officials, these corporations wake up and stop investing in this anti-LGBTQ legislation. It's leading to violence towards our community. And it's time that these corporations stop investing in anti-LGBTQ legislators. Uh, It's time that we pass the Equality Act so our community is finally equal under the law and that we're simply able to live our lives free from fear and that we are able to experience love and joy.
3: We've been talking with Fernando Lopez, Executive Director of San Diego Pride. Fernando, thank you and happy Pride. Thank you so much. Happy Pride.
0: That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great day.